Father, we humble our hearts before you in this moment. May your truth penetrate to the depth of our hearts as we hear from you. May you give us ears to hear what you are saying to your church. May you remove distractions and barriers. I know, Lord God, in this place it is impossible that somebody didn't see a face or feel something because they know they need to forgive. And so I just ask, Lord God, that we would be responsive to you today, no matter how difficult it is. Speak to us, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' strong name, and everyone said, amen. amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. We don't have any outlines today, but we do have a message for you, and there is probably, probably no topic other than money that is more difficult to talk on. When it comes to money, right, people are like, I don't want you in my pocket. Right? Like, Bishop, don't come talking about tithes and offerings and giving more and all. No, no, stay, stay, stay out my budget, right? Like, that's, that, that's how many people are. They feel some kind of, you always feel like, like when, when you start talking about money, you start talking about certain subjects, you feel what happens. It's like this barrier arises between the speaker and the hearers, right? Like, this happens. Because we we're uncomfortable and we don't want to talk about that particular topic. But there is another subject that I think is equally difficult to hear about and talk about. And not so much talk about because it's easy to talk about it, right? It's, e it's easy for me to tell you, hey, you need to forgive. It's not so easy for me to forgive. Hello. It's easy to, to tell somebody, man, you know, you, you got bitterness in your heart toward that person. You have, you have an issue that you need to address. It's easy to say that and point that out. It's difficult to look in the mirror and be like, man, you have issues. But I would say this. I think that there is no topic that is as critical to the expression of the kingdom in the church than that of forgiveness. I mean, you think about it. We sang about his forgiveness today. We sang about what Jesus did. Pastor Aldo reminded us when he exhorted us that we are here today because someone died for us. Someone laid his life down for us, offering us salvation, offering us something that we do not deserve, offering us forgiveness of sin. We're here today because we were offered this amazing gift, and it's a gift. We're given this gift. And yet, if we're honest, if, and, I, and I, I'll be honest, I don't know if you'll be honest, but sometimes, you know, some, some, some offenses, they're, you know, easy to look over, right? Not a big deal. But there's other offenses. Man, how do I forgive them? How do I release them? I want you to think about this this morning. Forgiveness reflects Christ, frees our hearts, and forges the, and forges the clearest path for the gospel. Let me say that again. I want you to think about that if you're taking notes on a device or something like that or writing down whatever. Forgiveness reflects Christ frees our hearts, and forges the clearest path for the gospel. I want to read another passage of Scripture really quickly, and it is in the book of Colossians. You can write it down, chapter 3, verse 12 through 13. And this is what it says. He says, therefore, this is Paul the apostle speaking, therefore, as the elect of God, what are the elect of God? The chosen people of God, as the people of God, holy and beloved, Put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. Listen to this. Bearing with one another. Look at your neighbor. Say, neighbor. Somebody is bearing with you. Tell him, tell him, yeah, and you too. <laughs> Someone is bearing with you. Like, like Paul didn't say these words because walking together was just going to be easy, right? Like bearing, in the book of Ephesians, bearing with one another in what? In love, right? If we're going to walk worthy of the calling with which we were called, we are to bear with one another. Why? Because, man, some of y'all are difficult. Come on now. All of us are difficult on some level. Every one of us is difficult on some level. You may think nobody has, has to bear with you, but trust me, somebody is bearing with you. Somebody is like, man, I got to pray for that one. 
Someone has something going on. But he goes on. He doesn't end there. He doesn't say bearing with one another. He says this, and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, do you have a complaint against another? Hmm. Do you have a genuine gripe with somebody? Do you have something that you could genuinely communicate and be like, yeah, this is the reason. You, you know that? Well, he just said, if anyone has a complaint against another, listen to these words, even as Christ forgave you. Come on, somebody. Even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. This isn't some holy suggestion. This isn't something that's like, hey, you know, you might want to do this. If you and I are the elect of God, if we are the people of God, then we are supposed to forgive one another just as Christ forgave us. That's a high standard, is it not? Praise the name of the Lord. Again, I repeat this. Forgiveness reflects Christ. Jesus forgave us. When we forgive, we are reflecting him. We are demonstrating him. Think about this for a moment. The reason why we forgive is not because they deserve forgiveness. It's because we've been forgiven. Are you here? Forgiveness reflects Jesus. It frees our hearts. As, as we'll see in this, in, in, this, in this text today, there is bondage that comes when you don't forgive you think it's the other person that you got in prison. No, no, you've imprisoned yourself. It frees our hearts. And it forges the clearest path for the gospel. Not just in the lives of others, but in your life. You want to see the fullness of the gospel in your life? Then you need to allow forgiveness to reign as Christ reigns in your life. Amen? Amen. All right, so I have, a, I have a brother I want to introduce you to. He's going to help me preach today. I met him a couple of days ago. Before I bring him up here, I want to tell you a little bit about him. I was sitting down with him, and we were having a conversation. And as, as we were having this conversation, he was telling me about himself, and he didn't know that I was in this kingdom series. And I knew what I was preaching this week, and, I was, and when he started talking to me, sharing his story, as he was sharing his story, I want you to know what was, what was happening to me. I was literally seeing some of your faces pop up in front of me. No, Seriously. Because I know what some of you struggle with. So as he began to share the ministry that he and his wife have together, I was like, man, they could definitely use them. So what I did was I was like, I'm going to bring him here so to give him a bunch of work. Hallelujah. <laughs> so when you hear his story, I hope you're encouraged when you hear about his ministry. But let me tell you a little bit about it. Y'all know that I love to preach. You know that I want to keep going here, but I got to stop. But, 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 but here's the thing. Sometimes, sometimes for me, it's not about me. It's never about me. It's not about me getting your heart to move toward the Lord. I want your heart to move toward God because that's what God wants. Sometimes I want you to hear the story through somebody else's experience and somebody else's life that I think they can bring value unto you. And so I want to tell you a little bit about Brady and Julie and Intervene Ministries. That's the, the ministry that, that um, they oversee. He's the president. And so in the, in, on, on the website, there's a question. Obviously, in every website, you know who we are. And I love this. We are a family committed to living a life on mission for the kingdom of God. Somebody say amen. Listen, y'all got to come back every Sunday because your children worshiping just motivate me, right? I don't, even, I don't even lead worship. I just want to stand next to them in worship, right? Like, <laughs> every, 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 you hear my voice a little jacked up today. Yes, it is. I'm sorry about that. I apologize. I tried everything I could, but it is what it is. But I was motivated to sing more, glory to God, because they were excited over there dancing, worshiping. But, but I love the, the thought. We are a family, a family, a family committed to living a life on mission for the kingdom of God. I could just preach on that all day, glory to God. Families, the problem with, listen. The problem with our nation is that we are not families committed to living for the kingdom of God. Brady is a former Navy SEAL and president of Intervene Ministries who was raised in the Central Florida area. Julie, who grew up in the Atlanta area, is an amazing homeschooling mother to their five children and is always serving and loving those around her. Intervene began from the healing and breakthrough that God brought into their own marriage, and it is their calling to love, serve, and shepherd others to a place of healing found in and only through Christ. And so what are they about? That's another thing that's always on websites. What are they about? We believe that Christ came so that we would be set free from bondage, 
made whole, equipped, and able to live a life that brings him glory. Our heart is to serve and shepherd as, part, as, as both a part of the body of Christ and a resource for others in it. Our response to him and his work on the cross plays a vital role in freedom and the freedom we encounter on this side of heaven. So listen, surrender to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Repentance, I love that. Surrender to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Repentance and heart forgiveness are what it's all about. It's from these biblical foundations we can form the kind of marriages he intends for us. We can grow into the parents we know we are called to be, and we can live out our faith in the workplace in a way that leads others to faith in Christ. Amen. And there's one scripture, and I'll read it, and I'll bring my brother up here. John 10.10 is on their website. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Can we welcome Brady Duke to the pulpit, please? Thank you, man. Can you guys hear me? Oh, wow. All right. Um, I am, uh, Bishop's energy is a, is a lot to compete with. So um, I'm, a, I'm a mellow, soft-spoken kind of guy. Um, as he said, I was in the SEAL teams. I was a sniper, so you have to be kind of quiet and thoughtful. Um, but... <clears throat> Enough on that. Um, thank you for this opportunity uh, to speak. And Julie and I, our, our ministry intervene is something that grew out of um, our own story, as Bishop has shared. Um, and so, you know, I want to say just a couple of things as I begin to speak. And I do this every time I speak somewhere is just reaffirming the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's presence in this room, the Holy Spirit in his role um, as being fully God and here on this earth to speak to us. He is the counselor. He is the helper. He is the spirit of truth, and he will lead us into truth. And so I say that to say, as I'm sharing with you this morning, if there's things that fall on your heart and come to your mind that maybe sound off from what I'm talking about in my story, um, I want you to reflect and, and really know that the Holy Spirit is beginning to speak to you and to say, hey, there's an area that I want to meet with you in in this time. Because I am, I am not your counselor. It's the Holy Spirit that is your counselor. And each of you are designed to hear from the Holy Spirit. So you can commune with him. And he can heal you through this process of life. Okay? Um, <clears throat> and so the power of forgiveness. The power of forgiveness is something that I think is, is underemphasized. Absolutely. Um, this is such a foundational tool that we find in Scripture that God has given us. Um, to overcome the brokenness in our life and the work of the enemy in our life and on this earth, 100%. And so where I come from in the SEAL teams, um, when you're clearing, you're learning how to clear a building out. That's something that has been my expertise for the number, number of years, seven, eight years now. And you cannot ever forget the most foundational things when you're trying to become a warfighter. If you forget the, mo the most foundational principles of warfighting, and you try to go off into advanced ideas, you're going to fail, right? And so oftentimes, we overlook forgiveness because it can be seen as this foundational Sunday school kind of a topic, um, and we go off into lofty theological ideas, but yet if we haven't trained our, our hearts and our spirits in what forgiveness is, not just to forgive, but how to forgive, we are vulnerable to the enemy's attacks. And as Bishop shared in the scripture, we're, we're going to dissect some of that this morning, and really talk about, hey, how can we master and understand forgiveness at a heart level? Not just a head level, okay? Not just a head level. Uh, Revelation 12, 11 says, They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony. 
So number one, we can only overcome the enemy because of what Christ has done and the blood that was shed, and we stand in that and we trust in that, and that blood covers us. But there's also something that happens when we share the testimony of who he is, what he's done in our life, and the breakthrough that he has brought in our lives. And so I encourage you to share your testimony with people. What has he done in your life? What stories do you have of the greatness that he, he is as a person to you, as a God, as a Savior, right? And so I'm going to share a number of stories today with you that hopefully inspire you, and also the Holy Spirit uses those um, to speak and to really highlight your story, because this is about what is your story? It doesn't really matter how long you've been in the church. We all have a story. I grew up. I got saved when I was 12. I was in the church ever since I was 12, um, and I had a, a radical experience with God just four years ago. Um, having gone through life and having been a Christian my whole life and yet having wound, wounds in my heart, unforgiveness in my heart that I just assumed was normal, that the enemy tells you that's too old, that's too small, don't worry about it, continue, the chores of today are more important than actually looking at what's going on in here, okay? So let's, let's think about if your heart is a house, okay? If your heart is a house, and the moment that you say yes to him, you surrender your life to him, right? He's knocking on the door. You say, yes, I want you. I want you to come into my life. I'm surrendering my life to you. Oftentimes, and even in my own life, we let him in. And then he comes in. He cleans up the front rooms of the house. So through the front windows, hey, everything looks nice and neat. The windows are dressed. There's a fire in the fireplace. The living room looks good. But there's all these other spaces beyond what people can see through the front windows. Those are the things that were years and years ago in my life, years and years ago as a child. Things that we think are so insignificant, yet are so important and foundational to understanding who we are, who God made us to be, okay? So as we're going through this process, God may show you a door in your own life. Hey, there's this area that you haven't let me into, Right? You, you've accepted me into your life, you've given your life to me, but I want to go here with you so I can set you free from this pain and this burden and this bondage in your life. Right? And it's only through his authority that when we let him into that space, his authority comes in and cleans it out because we can't do it on our own. Right? <clears throat> and so um, a little bit of story for how this ministry got started. Julie and I were getting involved um, in ministry out on the West Coast. I was in the SEAL teams out on the West Coast, and uh, we had done a discipleship training school. We had done a, a church planning school. We'd done a number of things, and we were in the middle of this marriage uh, course. And um, it was about 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm driving the truck from Florida back to San Diego. My whole family's asleep in the car. And um, I'm listening to the story of someone else that had gone through this marriage course um, that we were in. And this gentleman, um, you know, had a very similar story than me, similar story to, that I did. Um, he was going into this course, and the first night was called Nothing Hidden. And so we had already gone through it. We had already gone through it. This is a few weeks in, so I'm kind of hearing this post um, when we had gone through that first night. And um, I'm sitting there, and this guy's telling a story of how he's struggling with sin in his life, hidden sin of pornography that he wasn't open with his wife about. And so I'm sitting there at this time, having done all of these church things, all of the things externally for ministry and serving in the church and church activities that I knew I, you know, to try to do my best. And um, there were things in my heart that were not allowing me to overcome the sin in my life. And so I'm sitting there driving, and I feel the weight of God sit on me like I never have in my entire life. And it just hit me. When I heard his testimony, he said, I could either quit this program now, I can either lie all the way through it, or I can tell the truth. And he shared the story of how much breakthrough and healing and life came to his marriage when he stepped into and just confronted the truth of what was going on, that true, free repentance. And that was something that God sat on me for like three days. I was sick to my stomach. And so <clears throat> when... Uh, I confronted my wife, and I said, hey, this is what's going on. It blew up. It blew up, and it was very, very um, hard, very hard. Um, and there were also men in my life, other guys that I was in church with and we were doing a life group with and things like that that I had to go to and tell them, hey, this is the truth of what's going on. So all the things that I had accomplished in my life, I was in the SEAL teams already for 10 years at that point. Um, it, 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 
none of the external accomplishments will fix the internal issues with our heart. We know this, right? But we have to really understand, like, where am I stuck? Where am I hurting? And so it wasn't until I, I was freely repenting that the truth, that the breakthrough came in my life. And so breakthrough started happening radically in our relationship. Um, where we were able to reconcile a lot of pain from the past. And then I realized so much of the pain that was driving me towards the sin of my life was pain from my childhood, father wounds, unforgiveness, loneliness, things in my life, shame that was driving me internally that were associated to certain pains in my life. And so this started in effect um, through the community that we had. We just started sharing our testimony and... um, it started this, you know, snowball effect with others in our community. And um, these other veteran uh, families started, it just kind of blew up for them because the Holy Spirit started using, hey, this is the testimony that you share. When you come in and you get vulnerable and you lean in, and you lead with vulnerability, I really think that the level of vulnerability that we take in life is really going to determine the level of freedom in our own life. Right? And so if we press into being vulnerable and open with each other, it will set us free and it will actually deter the enemy from um, ruining our lives further. And it's going to set people free in your lives around you. So when we think of, hey, I know I have a kingdom purpose in my life, I know I should be reaching people for the gospel, it starts right here. Right here in our own hearts. Okay? Um, <clears throat> And so we started sharing, and other people's lives started getting transformed, and marriages started getting transformed, and so we formalized it a few years ago. Um, and so we got introduced and uh, mentored in this ministry, and as we started doing this, we just saw the Holy Spirit work in amazing, amazing ways in our lives and in others' lives. And so to tell you a story, um, I was sitting with a friend of mine and my mentor at the time. And we were sitting there. He was there to talk about some, some deeper issues going on in his life with his father. And all of a sudden, his heart just kind of pricked. And he said, you know, to my mentor, Nathan, he said, hey, every time that you text me, I feel like I'm in trouble. I feel like, I'm in, you're, like I'm, you're going to embarrass me or something. Completely kind of off topic from what we were talking about. Um, but he was really exposing what his heart was feeling. So he's like, have I ever hurt you? Have I ever done that? He said, no, you've never, never, ever done that. He's like, okay, let's just ask the Holy Spirit right now. So we just quickly, hey, Holy Spirit, why does my heart respond this way? The Holy Spirit's a counselor. I'm not going to lean on my own understanding. I'm just going to trust him. And he's all of a sudden hearing this in his head, April 1992. I don't know what that means. He said, ask the Holy Spirit. So he said, okay, Holy Spirit, what does this mean? April 1992. And he's like, I totally forgot. I was about seven years old. My dad was a coach on my baseball team. We lost the game that day, and my dad put me up in front of everyone and told, made me tell them it was my fault. So you have a seven-year-old boy who should be covered by his father. Maybe he dropped the ball. I don't know, right? But you have a child who, in those first years, you know, from, one, from zero to nine, their worldview is getting formed. Why am I here? What am I worth? What's the purpose of all of this? It's all identity, purpose, and value. And dad throws him out in front of, the, out to the wolves to expose him, to shame him, and to embarrass him. So what does the little boy learn? He learns, I, I should be ashamed of myself. I can't trust father figures. I can't trust authority figures. So that really undermined his trust for his own father in his life. That led to years of rebellion. That also undermined his trust and faith in God. Because it's that image that that we as husbands, as fathers, are called to display to our children that image of God, right? And so that led him to a place of needing to, you know, walk out forgiveness towards his father. And we're going to talk about some of that. Um, Another one was uh, a young lady that Julie and I sat with. Um, She told us her whole story uh, for a few hours. And her chest and her neck were red. And I just asked her, are you mad at your father? Because there's a lot of pain from her father in her story. And she said, no, I don't think so. Um, and I said, do you, do you feel like you need to forgive him for anything? She said, no, it was, it's, it was okay. I mean, I read a book on forgiveness, and it's really helped me. So I said, okay, let's just ask the Holy Spirit from your whole story, who do you need to forgive? Who are you angry at? And so 
Uh, we sat there, and she just started crying. She said, it's my dad. So okay. As if your dad's here, I want you to say everything. I want you to say everything that's on your heart. I want you to expose your heart. You're not giving it to me. You're giving it to the Lord. So she starts just saying, hey, dad, I'm, we coached her through. Dad, I'm, I'm angry at you for this. I'm angry at you for this. She just let her heart open and expose places she hadn't exposed in years and years and years. She went for 45 minutes crying, screaming, letting it out. She wasn't trying to be religious. She wasn't trying to be Christian. God knew the intricacies of her heart and the pain that she suffered, and she let it bear before him so that we could get to the roots of the, where the pain was. And within 45 minutes, you know, she kind of cleans herself up and, um, you know, gets a tissue and stuff, and 10 years came off of her face in a matter of an hour. The weight of unforgiveness on her heart was physically burdening her. So we can see that there's spiritually, when we're burdened spiritually, it's going to affect us physically. Um, but there's, there's real power in forgiveness. And so as we go through Matthew 18, I want to talk through this a little bit more in detail, right? So um, <clears throat> the first thing is, is, you know, point number one I'll start off with is we will need to forgive more than we think we can, right? At the beginning of verse 22, we will need to forgive more than we think we can, okay? When... Um, when Peter asked him, hey, how many times? Jesus, how many times? 70 times 7. It's like more than you want to. More than you want to forgive, you're going to need to forgive. So that's simply the fact, right? And so Jesus is setting a very high standard, a near impossible standard. It feels unbearable, right? And so as we go into um, this parable of the unforgiving servant, I think it's, it's important to know, like, if, if we feel like we can't do it um, and forgiving someone for something um, is too much, right? We're being too self-focused. We're not being Savior-focused. We're not letting Christ set the standard and say, Christ, you've, you've, you've called me to this. You, have, you wouldn't set this. You wouldn't call me to do it if I couldn't do it in you, right? And so we have to see who Christ is. And the goal of all of this is to become more Christ-like. It's not to be more christian to be more anything else other than more like Christ, right? And so as we think of how can I become more like Christ, how can I love more like Christ, 1 Corinthians 13, in the way of love, right? In the, in the, new, the, the uh, new American standard, it says, um, love does not take into account a wrong suffered, right? It goes on and it says, love is, love is, love is, love is not, love is not, and love does not take into account a wrong suffered. So I cannot love anybody in my life if I have an account against them. Any accounts. It's like if you go through your memory bank and you think, who do I have this against? Well, that's unforgiveness, plain and simple, right? And so if we want to pursue loving like Christ, we have to pursue forgiving like Christ, okay? Um, so number two is God's desire is for reconciliation with him and each other. This is out of verse 23. All right, verse 23, it says, For this reason the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. Right? God's desire is for us to be reconciled to him and with each other. And so if, you, if we back up to Genesis 4, Cain and Abel, okay? Genesis 4, this is... Um, Four, three through seven. Okay. Let me find it here on my page. So it came, so it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. Abel, on his part, also brought of the firstlings of his flock and their fat portions, and the Lord regarded for Abel and the Lord had regard for Abel and for his offerings, but for Cain and for his offerings, he had no regard. So Cain became very angry and his countenance fell. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will, you not, uh, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door and its desire is for you, but you must master over it. So you have this image of Cain and Abel bringing their offerings to God, wanting to worship him. 
God's standard for worship is his standard for worship, right? Whatever his, 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 his pleasing in worship to him, he gets to set that standard. And he says, Cain, this, is not, this wasn't to my standard. Why are you angry at your brother? You have the, the heart of the father is pursuing his child and saying, hey, I see you're angry. You have unforgiveness towards him. I'm here to hear you. I'm here to hear you out. I think he gave him an opportunity right there to choose. Are you going to pursue forgiving? And we see, we know the end of that story. Cain kills him without pursuing the forgiveness because of the resentment and the anger and the bitterness that was in his heart. Okay? So God's desire is to see us reconciled. He is not a father that wants to shame us or condemn us um, or anyone else. His desire is to see that, that forgiveness um, is pursued. Okay. And number three, we are, we are the one with the lifetime of debt. This is a heavy one. We are the one with the lifetime of debt. So if you go back to Matthew 18 and the parable, right? So for starting in verse 23, For this reason the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he had begun to settle them, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. A lifetime of debt. An unpayable debt right? An unpayable debt. That is, we are that person in this parable. Each and every single one of us is that person in that parable, right? But since he did not have the means to repay, his Lord commanded him to be sold along with his wife and children and all that he had and had in repayment to be made. So the slave fell to the ground, prostrated himself before him saying, have patience with me and I will repay you everything. And the Lord of that slave felt compassion and released him and forgave forgave him the debt. Okay, but that slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. And he seized him and began to choke him, saying, pay back what you owe. So his fellow slave fell to the ground and began to place, began to plead with him, saying, have patience with me and I will repay you. But he was unwilling and went and threw him in prison until he should pay back what was owed. So when his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were deeply grieved and came and reported to their Lord all that had happened. Then summoning him, his Lord said to him, you wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Okay. This is the question I think we should ask is point number four. Who am I not to forgive? If I owe the Lord my whole life's worth of sin and he's graciously covered it, laying there with nails going through his hands, forgive them for they know not what they do. While I'm still a sinner, Christ died for me. I've been, I've been forgiven $100 million, $200 million, $300 million, $100 billion worth of debt, unpayable debt, and this guy over here kicks me in the shin and I can't forgive him, right? It's a perspective, We've all suffered wounds. Some are, are, are very deep wounds, right? But we have to keep the perspective. Hey, what have I been forgiven? Have I fully received the grace that I've been given? Do I understand the debt that he has actually paid for me? Because if I don't, I can't, I can't have the capacity. If I haven't received grace over here, I'm going to have trouble giving grace. Plain and simple. So... Um, we have to understand, hey, who am I to forgive? If Jesus says, forgive my whole life of sin, like, why can't I forgive this person here? Ephesians 4, 26 and 27 says, be angry, do not sin, do not let the sun go down on your anger, lest you give an opportunity to the devil. I bring that up because oftentimes we start talking about forgiveness and heart wounds and things of the past, and it's like, well, people are like, you don't even know, man. You don't even know what this person did to me. How in the world? Can I forgive them for that? And you're angry. You're hurt. I was angry. I was angry at the wounds from my past, my father, different things in my life. I was angry at myself for the sins that I had committed. Right? And so the excuse of, man, that was just too heavy. That's too much. That's too old. If I go there, there's a lot of anger. There's a lot of rage. There's a lot of whatever. Right? That's making an excuse right? It's, God says, be angry. So there's a sense in which we should all feel the, the right to say, hey, there's righteous anger. And so as we sit with people, it's, okay, we ask the Holy Spirit, where do we need to forgive? 
What is it, Lord? Show me. Search my whole life. Who am I angry at? What do I need to forgive? And memories will pop up. Usually painful memories. Anger, you know, anger, rage, you know. It, 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 there's this scale, right? God's intention for us is to know exactly who we are, why we're here, our value, our purpose, right? If you look on a scale of all of our lives is, hey, we're all in this, like, from the worst case scenario of growing up as a child, being treated like an animal, to having the perfect parents who image God for us. We all have different wounding. We all have a different story, right? And so we have to say, like, God's standard is this. This is what he had hoped for me. And so whether it's, whether it's directly physical abuse, emotional abuse, or just neglect, like, um, you know, dad was there, but he wasn't really around. He, he met all of my physical needs, but he never actually pursued my heart. Even something as small as that. I was sitting with a guy once, and he's one of four brothers, and he's like, I was the son that was always working with my dad. Like, tell me what it was like, because he was suffering with a lot of stuff. And I said, tell me what it was like around your dad. Oh, we would fix the car, we would do the lawn, and all this stuff. And I spent a lot of time with him. I was like, okay, well, what was it like with your dad? He's like, you know, he never really asked me about me. He was always there. Then he's like, oh, I remember there were times it was just us on a Saturday morning at the house, and he just wanted to be alone reading the newspaper. So I just would go to my room and play by myself. Dad was always there, but dad wasn't there, right? We all need spiritual vitamins, minerals, nutrients in the spirit to be affirmed, to be confirmed, to be desired, to be pursued by our father, just like he pursues us. And when we don't have those, right, it's in a sense we're not getting what we need emotionally and spiritually. And that causes senses of insecurity in our own life. And we will use the worst case scenario to say, well, I didn't have it as bad as people over here, so it's okay. And we use that to excuse the pain in our life. We use that to excuse people's failures who are, there, who are called to be there for us, right? And so the requirement to forgive is actually say, like, this was wrong. I needed more. I was here. I, I needed your help. I needed to know that you love me. I needed to be able to feel safe to ask you questions I needed to know who God was, but you never taught me this thing about this or that or this, right? And so there's all these desires you have to think as a young child. Young children, I've got five kids, 11, almost 10, five, six, two and a half. And just, you know, the wonder of a child's heart. Always everything's so new and they're always looking up at the adults like, what do they think of me? Why am I here? Am I loved? What do I have to do to get love? What, do I have to do anything to get love, or am I just loved? Because if I have to work for love, right, that sets a certain condition in my heart. I start to believe certain things about my life, about who I am. I'm only valuable if I can produce something for someone else. And when that comes into a family context, that, is, that hurts. But then we start living and growing from that age all the way up, and we think that's just how life is. That's how life feels. It's just normal. I should feel ashamed because I'm just not a good person. All of these little lies the enemy likes to slip in in a moment where, boom, our heart gets wounded, and the enemy's there to quickly to tell you, like, well, that's because he doesn't really love you. Well, that's because you have to do this. Otherwise, you're not going to be worth anything. Or you were actually only here just to be hurt or wounded or abused in this way. And you start living out those lies. Lies from a place of wounding and bitterness and unforgiveness. <clears throat> and so as we walk people through um, forgiving, it's who are you angry at? Who do you need to forgive? And then we give people room to be angry. Say, hey, expose your heart. What's really there? I was sitting with a a gentleman, and um, <clears throat> he, he was going through all these things, and he started to get really, really mad. And um, he stopped himself. He just shut it down like that. Boom. He just, the rage kind of lifted up in his chest. And this is, we, we sit with people in a very safe context, and it's, um, you know, it allows people to just like, hey, whatever's there, you just let it come out. And so we were talking, and 
he had bared so much weight and shame and anger from knowing that he, his father actually, he never met his father until his, his mid-30s. And that was because his father was in prison his whole life because his father was a rapist. Has raped somebody. This is heavy. I know. So the first time he ever meets his dad, he sits down with his father. His father doesn't say anything, but making sure that he doesn't tell anybody in the town, like, hey, don't tell anybody who I was. This is the first time he ever met his son. Never said, I'm sorry for not being there. Never said, I wish I could have. Not a single word of it. It crushed him. It totally crushed him. And so when we're sitting in this room, the, the rage comes up, and it almost comes out, and then he stops himself, and he puts himself together, and then I'm like, what, where did that just go? He's like, well, I was going to curse, but I'm a Christian. I can't do that. And I'm not saying Christians should be walking around cursing. That's not what I'm saying, okay? Hear me out on this. I'm saying this was me, this is a buddy, and another buddy, and we're like, hey, we're not at the dinner table with Grandma. You need to let out of your heart right now before the Lord. We are not taking this burden. He wants to carry this burden for you. You just need to expose it to him. Expose the burden to him because he's going to let you carry the baggage of all of the weights of the pain in your whole life until you choose to let him go to him. And so once he turned off the switch to being religious, it freed him up and he just let his heart be exposed and he got set free. There was immediate deliverance. There was immediate deliverance from evil in his life that had just plagued his life for years and years and years because he kept that door tightly closed. That was a room that was full of anger and rage and pain, right? But he, got, he was telling himself, I'm a Christian. I can't, I can't do that. I can't go there. It's too much pain. So we're essentially saying this pain is too great for Jesus. That is not true. That is not true, Okay? The pain is not too old. It's not too far in the past. He is outside of time. I believe that Jesus is sitting in those moments in time in your story, and he's saying, meet me here. If you come to this space, this spot in your life, in your timeline, I'm here with you, and I want to say some things about it. But we're too busy. We're too quick to think, oh, no, that was too old. I got two more important things to do. But yet, this pain keeps coming back over and over. If there's a door that opens, you know there's all kinds of emotion there. So if I get wounded, right, if I get wounded and it gets healed up, I got a scar. It doesn't hurt when I poke it. But I can tell you how I got hurt, and I can tell you how I got healed. And I can tell you the story of that healing and the doctor who healed me. And it's not going to be something that I'm, I'm still broken over. I can stand up tall and be like, look, this is the pain I went through, and this is the God who healed me, Right? And so I say that to challenge some people's thought of like, um, you know, we're made by our past. You know, what, you know, our past has formed us and this and this and that, and then we'll tell stories and all of a sudden there's all this emotion, bad emotion, destructive, hurtful stuff. That's an indicator that that wound hasn't healed. It's, it's festered for a long time. So when you poke it, it hurts. God is saying, just let me in. He's the surgeon. He is the surgeon. Right? So the more that we try to hold on to the baggage, the slower we run the race. Right? He wants us to run this race. And, but he's, he's going to let us carry as much as we want all the way through this, always saying, I'm here, to, I'm here for you. I'll take this burden from you if you'll give it to me. <clears throat> so point number five, heart forgiveness is an act of obedience to Christ which carries the power for breakthrough. And I want to also outline, or want to touch on um, 2 Corinthians 2.10. 2 Corinthians 2.10, Paul brings up forgiveness. I think this is an interesting um, thing to highlight. Paul talks about the, um, the importance of it because, <clears throat> I'm sorry, let me back up for one second here. The last verse of the parable um, in the parable of the unforgiving servant, Matthew 18, 35. So we've got two pages here, Matthew 18 and 2 Corinthians 2, 10. So Matthew 18, 35, right? He says, My heavenly Father will also do the same to each of you who does not forgive his brother from his heart. 
Backing up, it says, and his Lord moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay his debt. Right? So there's a real sense in which when we don't forgive from the heart, the torturers have access to us. Not just that we will be tortured by our unforgiveness, but the torturers themselves will have access to manipulating our heart and our mind. We are not going to be able to see people like Christ sees them. We are going to be manipulated into living and settling into lives of sin and brokenness where there's unforgiveness. And so unless we go take that forgiveness from here, that girl I had shared the story about, she said, I read a book on forgiveness once. She had it all here. She had never moved it down to here. And that's when she took off all of the religious you know, expectation and let her heart bear and let the anger of that come out. Forgiveness was able to come down to a heart level. Because oftentimes we get told, hey, we know we should forgive. Hey, you got to forgive your neighbor. you got to forgive. you got to forgive. As Bishop said earlier, we know we should forgive. How do we forgive? It's a painful process. But it's a process that Jesus is saying, hey, if you trust me in this, there's going to be freedom. And you get to know him better through it. Okay? And Paul, in, in 2 Corinthians 10, he makes an interesting statement about forgiveness. 2 Corinthians 2.10 10 and 11, okay? <clears throat> he says, But one whom you forgive anything, I forgive also. For indeed, what I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, I did it for your sakes in the presence of Christ, so that no advantage would be taken of us by Satan. For we are not ignorant of his schemes. And the ESV says, um, We are not outwitted by Satan. Right? So he understands that if we are harboring unforgiveness, if we're not actually willing to walk out and say, man, this is where I'm hurting. This is the account I have against someone. If we let that sit, that is going to, the, it's an opportunity for the devil. It's an opportunity for the enemy to manipulate our hearts, to not just be stuck in that wounding, but then wound others as well. It disables us from really living out a kingdom-minded life and, and be able to you know, share the gospel with real authority and real power behind it. And so, as I, you know, close this up is, ask the Holy Spirit, who are you angry at? Who do you need to forgive? Okay? I would encourage you right now, just everybody close your eyes. We'll have Bishop come up here in a minute to close out, but I want you to just sit with the Lord for a minute. So Holy Spirit, we ask you to come right now. Holy Spirit, we ask you to come right now. And would you just speak? And every person from, from their heart, he is your counselor. He is your comforter. Ask him in the quietness of your heart, show me who, who am I angry at? Who do I need to forgive? You may get a story from your past. You may get a memory. It may be somebody that seems insignificant from high school, from your childhood in the neighborhood. But oftentimes God is inviting you to trust him deep, deeply. So he may trust you with something small and then he'll invite you into deeper things. But you have to trust him with the first thing first. Holy Spirit, who am I angry at? Who do I need to forgive? So I want to encourage you to write that, that person's name down or that memory. Because our response really will dictate this. We often pray, Lord, will you come and do it? And I challenge people who pray so many times, Lord, come and do it, when he was hanging on a cross and said it was finished. He said it was finished. So now we get to respond to him. So Jesus, we thank you for your word. Jesus, we thank you that you have forgiven us. God, that we can forgive. God, help us not be burdened with this unforgiveness, God. Show us now. Where is it that these closed rooms, these locked doors in our heart that are maybe are ages and ages old, but God, you have healing and breakthrough for us. 
So I just, I just trust that God is showing you something. And I also want to challenge you to bring that up to somebody close to you. Because you can't do it alone. When we sit with people, we sit with at least two or three people in the room, praying, contending. Not a single one of us is without a wound in our heart. And don't let the enemy trick you into thinking you're the only one with pain in this room or in this community. Just because you're in the church, just because you know Jesus, you're following him, doesn't mean you have to have every single thing in your life together. This is the hospital room. We have to remember that. This is the hospital room. And I think the more that we live that out, we proclaim that, the more safety you create for those in your life to come into this room with you next week, next month, next year. So Jesus, we thank you for this time. We praise you for what you've done on the cross. God, thank you for washing us with your blood. Thank you for resurrecting and defeating the power of sin and death. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Thank you, my brother. Yeah. Thank you. As we as we think about this topic of forgiveness, you know, I I, I envision right explosions happening in homes because of conversations that are going to happen after this. And I just say this: don't be afraid of that. Like let like trust the Lord to to walk you through that stuff. I love I love his 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 point in the beginning that he made when he said he always acknowledges the Holy Spirit. And God's spirit is present within us, and he wants to bring healing. He wants to bring, he wants to bring liberty to your life. And so I encourage you, don't, don't fear those, those moments. Don't fear, you know, don't walk in that shame that we often do. But really let God heal the broken areas. Let God work on those. And um, thank you, man. I really appreciate that.